That's all right. God was dealing with me this morning on on those those two subjects right there. Then God brought those songs to my memory. Uh, Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. (coughs) Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm not going to share anything new this morning. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And every time I think God's given me a nugget that uh, nobody else has. I've got a truth. And, And God does open his book and show you truth. And then you realize it's been preached not once, not twice, but probably a hundred different times, thousand different times. <laughs> and, and not just recently, but a hundred years ago or two hundred years ago, you'll see a message from, I like to look at old messages, way back when. And you'll see that the same truth was revealed to those men too. And uh, praise the Lord for that. It's a confirmation. It's a confirmation that we serve the same God. That's right. And the message doesn't change. It stays the same. And this book is so deep. And it's so rich. And God pulls stuff out of it and shows it to His, his people, His children. So praise the Lord for that. But there's nothing new here. But I don't know about you. I need encouragement. I need to remember what I'm here for. Whoop. And, uh, and so that's what, Lord willing, God will use this for. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray, Lord, you meet with us this morning, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you touch each person, Lord, and, and each seat, Lord, the littles, Lord, the, the couples, Lord God, the, uh, just everybody in here, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come down, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that it would settle on this place, Lord, that you'd open your words to us, Lord. Hide me behind the cross, Lord God. I pray, Lord, you get my flesh out of the way, Lord God. My own opinions out of the way, Lord God. We don't want to hear from me, Lord God. We want to hear from you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would meet with us, Lord. That you would encourage us, Lord God. And just, and just have me to say what you want me to preach, Lord God. And have me to be quiet when you want me to be quiet. Help me to mind you, Lord God. Yes. I pray, Lord, that you'd use this message to bring glory to your name, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you anoint me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Give me the power, Lord, from on high that I do not have, Lord God. I need your power, Lord God. Lord, I'm just a child, Lord God. I'm just a frail creature of nothing, Lord God. I'm a base thing, Lord. And without you, I have nothing, Lord God. And I need you, Lord. I'm just a child asking for help, Lord God. Help me this morning, Lord God, to preach your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I was thinking last night... Service went to what? About two and a half hours? Somewhere in that neighborhood? Two hours, 18 minutes. Two hours, 18 minutes. There we go. I got to thinking about that, and you see the weary faces. You see people that, oh, I I preached at one church, and they wanted it done 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock, you're done, or I'm out. And I did. I had people get up and leave at 12 o'clock. And, and I got to thinking about that, and I was talking to Brother Gabe this morning. The average NFL game, the average NFL game that, that as a family, my dad used to, we never missed a Pittsburgh Steelers game, just about. Boo. 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 Yeah, yeah. We never missed a game. It was bad. The average NFL game was three hours. And if it goes longer, the fans cheer louder. Right. And they can't get enough of it. Yeah. 
The average Major League Baseball game is three hours. The average hockey game is two and a half hours to three hours. The average soccer game is two hours. And the fans will be engaged and they'll be shouting their lungs out. They'll wear all the, the, the clothing that will support their team. That's right. They don't care how foolish they look. That's right. They'll dye their hair. They'll paint their bodies. Yeah. And they say, like it or lump it. This is what I'm wearing because I love the world. Right. And and the crazy part is the football players don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and they shout in front of their TV and watch intently. Yeah. As junk and garbage and vile is poured into them. That's right. God help me. Amen. I spent too much time loving football. Yeah. Loving the world. Couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. And most folks don't just watch one football game. Yeah. They're ready for the next. And they'll blow every Sunday six to nine hours of of football. Yeah. But you can't get a Christian to be engaged for over a half an hour. Right. Sad state of affairs. That's right. But where are we at with that? That's right. And and we talk about the little. I was a little kid. Football game's going, boy. We gotta watch. Yeah. Find something to do. Pay attention. Watch this guy. Watch that guy. Yeah. Learn. And uh, God help us Christians to love God and His Word and the preaching of the Word and sell out more than the world sells out for their foolish games. Amen. Help us to love the Word of God so fervently and so much that we're not afraid to shout and say, Hallelujah! Amen. Like the world shouts and says, Hallelujah! And they'll, they'll make a mockery of themselves and a fool of themselves and they don't care. That's right. Would to God that Christians would love God more than what the world loves the world. I mean, think about it from a worldly perspective. Why would you give up the world where you love it and everybody around you loves it for a bunch of Christians that can't stand to listen to the Word of God being preached more than 45 minutes? Would you make that trade? No. They look miserable. They look like they're not having any fun. They're not excited about it. You want me to trade this fun in for that? Right. We ought to have some joy. We ought to be excited. We ought to shout at what Jesus Christ has done for us. We ought to love, this is the Word of God. We say this is the Word of God. We preach this is the Word of God. We love the Word of God. It's in our hearts. It's changed our life. It's changed our marriages. It's changed our children. Without it, we have nothing. That's right. Why the somber face? Why wait till it's over and we're watching the clock? Yeah. And I don't say that to be disrespectful of anybody's time. I know that, that, that people have plans and people have time and I don't want to disrespect people's time. But I also know that our balance is off. And that our love for God ought to be greater. And if you can get that mindset of those songs that we were just singing, that this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, you'll get a hold of that. And this, this ain't, this ain't going nowhere. 
That's right. We're going to have this in eternity. This is the Word of God. This is something that we'll have, and, and everything around you is going to pass away. Yeah. Your best friend's going to pass away. Your spouse will pass away at some point. Your children will pass away. And I don't want to jump ahead of myself here. But this right here, it will not pass away. This Word of God will abide forever. Amen. And we have a hold of it, and yet we have a hard time getting excited about it. Yeah. Lord, help us. Yeah. Lord, help us. Amen. If we were to put a movie up, we'd have engagement. Right. The world loves movies. Yeah. Do we love the Word of God? Go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're there, Lord willing. And verse 13. It, got, it goes through the whole hall of faith. And we're not going to get into all that today. It talks about Abel. It talks about Enoch. It talks about Noah, Abraham. And, and lots in there. <laughs> And we, we, we get all the way down to verse 13. It said, These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Not a one of them had the New Testament that we have today. That's right. Not one of them saw Christ in the flesh. Yeah. They, they saw it afar off. And they believed. And my question to you today is those songs that we're singing, singing, I feel like traveling on. I know I've got a mansion up there. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Do you see it afar off? And if you can get your mind, and Pastor Reg says this all the time, how well you can look into eternity. And that helps me. I need to look into eternity. Because eternity, if I can get a hold of where I'm going, where I'm traveling, what my mission is here on life, it helps. Yeah. It helps put things in perspective real quick. And the world and the devil and the flesh get you in a, a completely different perspective. These are two different perspectives. One perspective is the here and now. What am I doing today? How much money can I make? How comfortable can I be? And you've got your flesh that says, what, what do I want now? Right. And then the biblical perspective is, I see it afar off. Right. And I'm traveling that way. So I don't care what, what's going on right now as far as what my flesh wants, what I have physically as my possessions, because they're going to go. Right. And I say that with a, with a farm. Yeah. And if I'm not careful, me personally, I love my farm. Right. And I, I want to see my farm, and I've got this picture, my, my, my mind struggles with this thing, my flesh struggles with this thing, that I want to pass my farm on from generation to generation to generation. Right. And I want to make this my home. Right. And this is not my home. Amen. This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. And that's what they got here. That's what they understood here. That's what Abraham understood. They died in faith, not having received the promises. They didn't, they didn't have Jesus Christ in the flesh. He hadn't died on the cross yet, but yet they, had, they, they, they saw it afar off. Yeah. And look at this. And were persuaded of them, seeing it afar off, and embraced them, the promises that they haven't had yet, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. My question to you this morning, my question to myself this morning, 
is have you confessed, have I confessed that I'm a stranger to this world and I'm a pilgrim to this world? It makes me think of the pilgrims. The pilgrims, you studied some on the pilgrims? Have you studied anything on the... Uh, you study a little bit on the pilgrims and they left all that they had. And in fact, I'm not going to get into all the history, but they piled up just about everything that they could to take over to America because they were pilgrims. And what pilgrims do is they go somewhere that is unfamiliar to them and they travel there and they expand. And, and as a pilgrim, it's our job to expand, to travel, expand, and go uncharted territory where God tells you to go and expand. That's what the pilgrims did. Right before they left, the king said, uh-uh. You're not taking all that stuff. You can't take all those ships. You're not allowed. And like I said, without getting into all the history of it, the details are foggy in my mind. They left with half their possessions. And they took off to a land they didn't know anything about because they were pilgrims. And they lost loved ones, and they lost children, and they lost spouses. and they lost, But they were traveling, and they were going to go set. And, and that's how we have America today. It's because they said, you know what, I'm traveling. as, a, And that's a worldly example of uh, something that we can apply to ourselves. In, in the Old Testament here, they, 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 look at, they embraced them, the promises, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. And that's what American, uh, as American Bible believers we lack. Is we don't want to confess that we're strangers and pilgrims in this world. Because that means you're going to lose possessions. That means you're not going to always be you know, accepted. You're a stranger. You look different. You stand out. It doesn't make sense to them. You're a stranger. Yeah. We, you run into a stranger. There's the, there's the old saying, how you doing, stranger? Yeah. It's somebody you don't know. And you're saying, I haven't seen you. You're not familiar with me. You know, you're a stranger. And that's what we ought to be to the world. Yeah. But in what we want to do, if you're honest, what our flesh wants to do is we don't want to be a stranger. We want to be buddies. Yeah. You know, I use this all the time, and a lot of people do where we're from in the Ozarks. They call everybody buddy. Yeah. I do that too. I say, hey, bud. Hey, buddy. Because you, that's, that's what we want to be. We want to be buddies. We want to be friends. We want to be companions. And the reality is, God calls us to be strangers. Now, I'm not saying, don't, don't take me wrong here. I'm not saying we got to be mean. I'm not saying we got to be offensive just to be offensive. Yeah. But I'm saying what we ought to realize in our mind is that we're not buddies with the world. Maybe. We're strangers to them. And when they look at you cross-eyed and all weird because you're a Bible thumper, yeah. and you believe the Bible and you live by the Bible and it doesn't make sense to them because they're carnal-minded right. and you're spiritual-minded, well, you got two different fathers. you got the father of the devils where they are. Yeah. And you got Father of God Almighty on the other hand, yeah. and you're going to be strange to them. Yeah. Not buddies. Yeah. But we don't like that. Have you confessed that? I think it's a good thing to confess that you're a stranger and a pilgrim in this earth. On this earth. And the earth is everywhere that we're here. We can't just say, to make the application, it ain't just where they're at. God put earth there for a reason when he wrote the Bible. So that way it applies to you, it applies to me, it applies to you. Yeah. It applies to all of us. When we're on the earth, we're a stranger and a pilgrim. That's right. Verse 14. 
For they that say such things declare plainly that they what? Help me out here. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. They're seeking a country. And it's not talking about a physical country here on earth. Follow the application. They're strangers and pilgrims on earth. They're strangers to the earth. And they're seeking a country. Yeah. That country is not of earth. And they realize that they're a pilgrim and a stranger traveling to somewhere that's not on earth. You know that song though. My Savior pardon me from guilt and shame I know. That's what he puts in his head. He knows that. And I'll trust His saving grace while traveling here below. And if you can get that in your mind, that you're traveling, that you're seeking a country, that you're a stranger and a pilgrim here on earth, then when this earth and your home here on this earth, this temporal home doesn't work out, it'll, it'll keep you going. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it's the only thing that will preserve you. You know, One thing that comes to my mind when I think of this is Brother Danny Douglas. I can't imagine being married for 52 years or 50 years and lose your spouse. Yeah. And if this world was your home and this world is what you put everything into and this earth is where you, you were going you to stay and where you were going to... Uh, 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 was everything to you, that blow me out. Losing my spouse. I can't imagine losing my spouse, honestly. But if you can focus your mind and realize that you're just traveling on, that you're just traveling to heaven, that you're seeking a country and you're a pilgrim here, you're going to lose loved ones, you're going to lose your spouse, but that isn't the end of it. Because you're seeking a country and you're here to serve God because of His saving grace. Then you can get, it'll push you through something like that. Because you're serving God and your mind's on God. Oh Lord, help us this morning, Lord. Help us to get a hold of this truth this morning, Lord. That it would bless us and help us, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that your words, Lord, would just help us this morning. That your Holy Spirit would help us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Turn in your Bibles now to Genesis 23. Genesis chapter 23. They confessed that they were, they were pilgrims and strangers here on earth. And that's contrary to our flesh. That means the things that the world enjoys, the world wants, the world looks as great and good, doesn't look so good no more. It doesn't look so great no more. You know, my flesh wants to establish a business, a farm business, that, that'll keep going for generations. I said that. Right. The reality is, it ain't worth a hill of beans. Yeah. That's the reality. On earth here. Right. Because it's temporal. Yeah. You know, somebody owned that farm that I have before I owned it. That's right. And somebody else owned it before they owned it. And somebody owned it before they owned it. Yeah. And, so, and go all the way back to where the Indians were fighting over, and it would be the Indians, one tribe, and then the other tribe. Right. And land has always been that way, and if you, the devil tricks you into thinking that you have something that's yours, it's a lie anyways. It ain't yours. That's right. 
The government can come in, we've seen it time and time again, where they come in and say, hey, they're, they're working on it right now, actually, to say no private land. Right. And we look at that, and I'm, I, that infuriates me. Yeah. But the reality is, there is no private land. Yeah. If you're a Christian, then, then this earth is just a temporal thing. Yeah. And I'm not saying you, you can't own a house, can't own land. I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm talking about your mentality of where you're at. Are you fleshly minded and saying, this is me, this is where I'm at, I'm going to try to make this kingdom here on earth? Yeah. Or is your mindset saying, you know what, this is a temporal thing, do I have my necessities to follow God and seek a country Amen. that's not here? Look at uh, Genesis chapter 23, verses 3 and 4 here. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto his sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And he's traveling on. You know, a lot of times somebody won't sell their land because that's where their loved ones were buried. And he's wanting a place just to bury him. He says, look, I'm just passing through and I've got people to bury. Yeah. You know, Abraham left his, his land of Ur yeah. is where he was. He, and the Bible doesn't give a whole lot of detail in that other than we know that's where his family was. Yeah. We know that's, that's probably where he was most comfortable being. And when God told him, hey, you march out there, I've got a promised land for you. Yeah. And remember what Hebrews said is the promises that they haven't had yet. Yeah. And they, they saw it afar off. Abraham saw that there was going to be a Messiah. Yeah. Afar off. Going towards the cross. And it's all through the Bible. That's why you can preach the gospel message in the Old Testament time and time and time again. It's because God was revealing what he was doing all through it and giving pictures of what was to come. And this picture right here applies to us. Yeah. When we bury somebody, it's a temporal thing. You're not going to be around that burial place. In fact, God's going to take this whole earth one day and He's going to burn it. Amen. And then the global warming thing will be real. Yeah. But I ain't too worried about the global warming thing because the Bible says that there's going to be a tribulation at some point that's going to last seven years. Yep. And then there's going to be a millennial reign for a thousand years. That's right. And so the world's going to be around for at least that long. Yep. And so I ain't worried about well, the climate change. Hey. It's a bunch of hokey. That's right. <laughs> The temperatures always change. Sometimes you have a cold November. Sometimes you have a warm November. I ain't worried about it. It's God's world. Amen. And He's going to do with it what He pleases. And one day, God said He's going to burn it. Yeah. What does that do for your perspective of building a kingdom here on earth? Yeah. It destroys it. It smushes it. Gone. Yeah. And yet we know this truth. This is not a new truth to any of us. Yeah. But if you can get a hold of this and get this perspective, it will help you. Especially when we're doing this stuff. Especially when you're out on the, uh, on the mission field and we're out here in the battle zone. And the devil's throwing lies and lobbing lies at you and, and distraction in your flesh. Like you said, is our biggest enemy. And my flesh is like, oh, I'm losing my earthly kingdom. Well, praise the Lord to a degree. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, amen. And if I can get that perspective, and it's temporal, I'm telling you, I struggle with this. But if I can get a hold of this, then I can say, you know what? 
If I lose everything here on earth, I've got Jesus. I've got my Savior. I have no friend but Jesus. That's right. I have no friend. That means I have no possessions. It's Jesus. It's God. And if I can get a hold of that, and if you can get a hold of that this morning, it'll give you the right perspective to be a servant for God. And then you can confess, hey, I'm a stranger. I'm a sojourner. I'm a pilgrim. I'm just traveling on. And I hope you get that. I really do. Because if you're a stranger and you're a sojourner, your mind will be in the right spot. Turn with me. Genesis 47. Genesis 47. 47, we'll start there in verse 8. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old art thou? That's rude. You're not supposed to ask somebody how old they are. (laughs) And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my, listen to this, pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers, and the days of their, look at this, pilgrimage. That's what he had his mind on. He, he realized that he was supposed to be on a pilgrimage. He was supposed to be on a journey. And Jacob here, he kept getting stuck on worldly possessions. Yeah. I can relate to that. Me too, yeah. And when I look at that, he, the Bible's true. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. Yeah. You spend your life trying to build a kingdom. You spend your life trying to to establish your own earthly empire and you'll look back on those years spent, the hours, the sweat, the blood, the tears that you spent in to try to establish your own empire, your own kingdom, your own possessions for you and you'll look back at it in regret and you'll look back at those days and say, few and evil are those days. Yeah. Few and evil. If you spend your life and you get a hold of this, and you spend your life as a pilgrimage, then I guarantee you one thing, that you will not regret serving God. Those will be the days you look back on when you spent your time, your sweat, your blood, your tears, pouring out over God's Word and being a servant to God. You'll look back on that and say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Amen. I'm a pilgrim. Just a passing through. And all that's going to count, all that's going to matter, is when you serve God. Amen. Get that perspective. Or you'll ruin your life, you'll blow your life away, and you'll look back on it and go, man, I missed it. I missed it. I spent my time trying to get money. And maybe you'll get it, and maybe you won't. That's right. And a lot of people that get it, the next generation, it squ- they squander it, and it ruins the next generation. And they wish they never had it to begin with. That's right. And I'm telling you, the possessions on this earth, the possessions, the, the money is a lie from the devil that it'll make you happy. That's right. Amen. As a young man, I can remember specifically God had me working for this older man who was as wealthy as you could want to be on this earth. He had spent his life building bridges down in Miami, Florida. And the money in that must have been a lot of money. And his wife ran uh, the bus, a huge busing company down in, in Miami as well. And he had more money than he knew what to do with. If he wanted something, he bought it. Plain out and simple. He had his own skeet range. He had, he had these huge uh, Clydesdale horses 
big old horses that he didn't even like, but his wife liked to see him as ornaments. And my job, the reason he hired me, was mainly weed whacking. And I'd go around to all the fences because he didn't want to use any chemicals, and he had a ton of fences, so I'd weed whack all day long. And then he wanted to build a, 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 onto this mansion that he had a whole a, a parrot room <laughs> where you'd walk in and he'd have all these exotic birds. And you know what God showed me in all of that? This man, he bought, he bought his farm that he thought he always wanted. He bought the truck that he always wanted. He bought every gun that he ever wanted. He bought anything. If he wanted it, he got it. And he was the most miserable man I ever knew. He cursed, and he frowned, and he wore it on his face. His family never came to see him, and he was bitter, bitter, for no reason. He'd come and just curse me out, and then he'd say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I, you know me, I don't mean it. And then one day, he said, you, do you play chess? And I said, yeah, I play chess. And we sat down for lunch, and we played chess. And I was like, well, it's time for me to get back to work. And he said, no, it's time for you to play chess. So I played chess. And it became 5 o'clock time to go home. And I'm like, i, I got to go home. And, and he's like, well, I'll keep pay, play, uh, paying you if you'll stay and play chess with me. He was lonely. That's right. You know, what the, you know what God showed me in that? Is the devil lied to that man. And he spent his whole life trying to get everything that I thought I wanted. Right. And when he got it... He was miserable. That's right. And when the devil holds that carrot out in front of you and says, this is what you really want, and your flesh says, oh boy, I want that. Give me that. Give me that money. Give me that business. Give me what I want. When you get it, if you ever do get it, you'll find it's a lie. Amen. And you'll look back on your life and go, few and evil were the days that I spent chasing that. Yeah. Hey, it's good. But you're on a pilgrim. You're on a pilgrimage. You're a sojourner. And the time that you spend following God and seeing in the country of far off, seeing where we're going, seeing the perspective of following God, you'll look back on that and say, I wish I did more. Right. You'll say, I wish I spent more time. I wish I could walk, knock one more door. I wish I could tell one more soul about my Savior. Amen. I wish I could spend some more time reading the Word of God and spending time with my Savior. That wasn't time wasted. I wish my children saw me reading the Word of God and loving the Word of God, not watching a football game. Yeah, that's right. Don't waste your life on this earth, following the earth, following the things of the earth. Confess to yourself right now in your heart that I'm a stranger to this earth, that I'm a pilgrim to this earth, and I'm a sojourner. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But pilgrims expand. Turn with me real quick to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Pilgrims expand. We're out here in South Dakota. <laughs> Second time I've ever been to South Dakota. Last time we came, scoped this place out. Yes, sir. I would have never guessed. I've been in South Dakota setting up a tent. I'm preaching a tent meeting, and I praise the Lord for it. Never even heard of Yankton until that email came in. Never thought I'd be here out in an archery field preaching the Word of God and knocking doors and seeing souls get saved. Pilgrims expand. 
pilgrims say, you know what, I've got to go somewhere, I've got a job to do, and they expand. You know what, there's lost souls out there that don't have a church. They don't have any Christians telling them the truth. They don't have anybody, they're lost out in the world wandering around. And they need somebody to tell them the truth. Pilgrims say, you know what, I'm going to go. Yeah. And they expand. That's why we're out here. Right. Where are we at? Romans 10, 9 and 10 here. That if, they shall, thou, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made unto salvation. One thing I meant to say yesterday is when that baby cries, that first cry, <laughs> that's a confession that that, bo- that that new man born again is alive. Yeah. Amen. That baby cries and says, I'm here. Yeah. And when you're born again, you say, I'm here. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> that's right. And, and when you make that confession, you have that new man born inside of you, there's, I want to tie that into the confession that you make when you say, I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. Because when you get saved and you have your heavenly Father, this earth is no longer it. That's right. This world is no longer where it's at, what you want, what your life is about. Have you confessed that to yourself? Have you confessed that more importantly to God? And it's not a one thing done. <laughs> It's not, it's not a, it, this is something you've got to renew. The Bible talks about renewing your mind. You've got to renew this in your mind constantly. You'll have to renew this in your mind probably today, probably in the next few hours when we're out door knocking. You'll have to renew why I'm here. Why am I doing this? That guy just slammed the door in my face. And the devil will begin to tell you lies that this is in vain. And I'm telling you, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. It's the only thing worth doing is serving God. Amen. And I've got to renew that in my mind. This life is spent as a journey. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Our greatest example of this is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, made flesh, dwelt among men. What did His earthly kingdom look like? And don't tell me, don't tell me He wasn't tempted with it. Yeah. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways. The devil offered him this world. And Jesus didn't say, hey, that ain't a real offer. It was an offer. It was a temptation. But yet Jesus Christ had no place to lay his head. He said he had no place to lay his head. That's our greatest example of, of Christ. He, he went from town to town to town to town to town. Yeah. And he'd stay as long as he needed to stay to preach the gospel. Yeah. And he'd leave whenever he needed to leave to go preach the gospel some more. And you know what? You find it all through Acts. I was reading this morning in Acts 8. And we won't go there for now, but Philip, everybody knows Acts 8.37 when he talked to the eunuch, Ethiopian eunuch. And, and he gives them the gospel. And then it says he went from, from town to town to town to town to town. <laughs> he just kept going and going and going and going and going. Why? Because they got it. They understood that they were a pilgrim. They understood this world wasn't their home. Yeah. 
And we need to get a hold of that for us. Matthew uh, chapter 6, and we'll pick up uh, we'll pick up in verse 24. This is what Jesus Christ said. No man can serve two masters. I hope you get a hold of that. You've got two, two masters. Two, two that want to be your master. You've got this earth and this flesh that wants to be your master. And says, work for me. Spend your time. Pour out, pour out all your, your sweat, blood, and tears on me trying to establish an earthly kingdom. And then you've got another master, Jesus Christ, that says, pour out every. I want everything. I want your heart. Yeah. I, want, I want your mind. I want your soul. I want everything poured out to me. And what Christ says is you can't serve both. Yeah. Make up your mind. Make up your mind whether you're a pilgrim on this earth or whether you're trying to make this earth your home. And be honest with yourself. Amen. Because you can't serve both. That's right. This is what he says. For either he will hate the one, hate the one, hate the one, and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. If you serve God with everything you have, you'll lose out on mammon. Yeah, that's right. You'll lose out on mammon. Because mammon, the one that controls the, the mammon, the money in this world, the, the, the wealth in this world, all your earthly possessions, says, you can't have Christ around here. I don't want you preaching Christ around here. I don't want you serving Christ around here. And then on the other side, Christ says... Who do you want? Me or mammon? <laughs> right. And you got a decision to make. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to make money. Right. I don't want you to take this wrong and there's a balance that God is biblical. The, the, the Bible says plainly, if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah. The Bible is not promoting any type of socialism or laziness to say, sit on your bum 24-7 and have somebody cut you a check so you can, you can make it by. That's not biblical one ounce. Right. The Bible's for hard work, and if you look through the Bible, they work their, their hard. And you know, Paul, he made tents when he had to. Yeah. The Bible's not opposed work, and this message isn't to say to be lazy. This message is to say, make up in your mind who you're serving. Amen. Who are you serving? Are you after more and more and more and more money to build an empire? And that's what you know in your flesh. You know in your heart that your flesh wants that. Are you serving that? What is your motive? What is your motive? Is your motive in, your, in, in this earth to establish an empire? Or is your motive in this earth to serve God? Because it's one or the other. That's right. We need money to buy groceries. We need money to put fuel in the vehicles. Money's not the problem. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's right. There's a balance here, and I hope that you're getting the balance. I'm not trying to get out of balance today. Lord, help me. What I'm after, what the Bible's after here by serving two masters is who is your master? Yeah. You can make money and it not be your master. Right. But you can chase money and it be your master and you have no money. Right. That's right. Is your master Jesus Christ? Is your master, is, is what you're pouring your thoughts, your emotions, your time on serving God? Or is your, is your time, your effort, your, your love trying to build something here on earth? That you can say, look what I've done, look where I'm at. Where are you at? 
Where are you at? Let's keep reading here. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Woo! Those are heavy words. Yeah. What ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor get for your body, what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Amen. You see the perspective that Christ is preaching here? This is rough. This is a hard message to apply practically to your life. Yeah, it is. And I'm all, I'm all about practical Christianity. So how can you live this out? How can you live out what Christ is talking about? It's not talking about, okay, I guess we're going to starve, honey, because I'm not worried about food. Right. That's not what it's saying. It's, saying. it's not saying, hey, we're going to sit here and wait till God drops food into our laps. It's saying you're going to trust God, serve your master, the Lord Jesus Christ, come what may. If it costs you your life, if it costs you your business, if it costs you money, you're going to serve Christ. And you're going to work. And if God gives you a job and God gives you money to make, you give that money to Christ and say, God, how do you want me to spend this money? Right. And the devil's going to tell you, hey, you know what you need is a brand new pickup truck. You know what you need is a bigger house. What you need is this and this and this and this and this. And you're going to have to make up your mind if you're going to serve Christ or you're going to serve your flesh. You're going to serve mammon. And I've got nothing against new pickup trucks. But is God for it? And if God, get, if God tells you, yeah, you need a new pickup truck to serve me, then get you a new pickup truck. I ain't here to throw stones at you. Right. It's between you and God. It's your heart between God. Have you confessed to God that, hey, I'm a stranger, I'm a pilgrim, and I'm traveling on? Hey. Or is your mind in love and, hey, I got a pickup truck? Yeah. Oh, look at that pickup truck. And only you can answer that. Where are you at? With God. Alright. We got, we got to read the rest of this. Verse 26. Because the next thing the devil begins to tell you is that God doesn't really care. God doesn't care if you can feed your family. God doesn't care that, that you, you, you have, a, have a house. God doesn't care. He'll let you starve. God will let you just go, go ran, ransack it. That God doesn't care about you. And that's what the devil will begin to feed you at that point. Yeah. Once you say, okay, I, I made up my mind. I'm serving God. I'm a pilgrim. Then, the, then, then uh, the devil will begin to say, okay, God's going to let you go. Right. And God's going to let you. You're going to hit bankruptcy. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be of no account. Right. And this is what God has to say to that. Verse 26, behold, the fowls of the air. He said, look up. Look at all those birds. For they sow not. Neither do they reap. <laughs> you don't see a bird out there planting a crop. That's right. Now they eat my crop. Right. I'll see them on the fields real thick and heavy after I plant. And I get the kids out there with BB guns. But they're not planting a crop. Yeah. Nor gather into barns. They're not bringing it into the barn. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? You're, in God's eyes, you're worth more than any bird. That's right. And yet God takes care of the birds. Yeah. Amen. He takes good care of them by having farmers like me put seed on the ground. <laughs> yeah. 
He takes care of the birds. Yeah. And the birds aren't worried about it. And they're not storing up saying, oh no, God's not going to feed me. And God cares for them. So God knows what the devil's going to tell you. God knows where your flesh is going to tell you that I'm going to starve. I'm going to go hungry. Yeah. And God says, hey, I, I, I take care of the birds. You look up at the birds. Look how well they're fed. Yeah. I'm going to take care of you more than the birds. Amen. Verse 27, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? None of us. And why take ye thought for raiment? Yeah. Why? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God takes time with each part of his creation. He cares about his creation. He takes care of his creation. Even though, you know, I'll tell you, even, even a crop that I plant and that I want to see flourish. And I put everything I can into that crop. I plant it the right way. I, I get on my hands and knees, like I said, and I check, make sure the seed's planted right. I fertilize it. And I even don't put commercial fertilizer on there. I, I started using liquid because I want the ground to do better. And I pour into this crop. And that crop came up and did nothing. <laughs> it did nothing. Why did it do nothing? Because it didn't rain. <laughs> And it didn't matter how much I poured into the crop. You can ask the farmers. It didn't matter how much chicken manure you put on there, how much cow manure you put on there, how, how well you planted the seed, how expensive the seed was. If it had no rain, it isn't growing. That's right. And then, God in His mercy and His love sent a, a huge amount of rain in the fall to a crop that didn't look worth harvesting. And I kid you not, it shot up this tall. Praise the Lord. And, and I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't lose sleep over it. But looking back on it now, all the sleep I lost over it, all the stress that I said, oh no, what am I going to do, was in vain. Because God took care of it. You see that? Yeah. And, and we in Missouri here, this, time, this year has been a drought year, and there's a lot of people that are low on their hay. And I feel for them. I've been low on hay before, and I've been low on silage before. Especially when you have dairy cows, if they don't eat really well, they don't milk. It's directly related to how much a cow gives in milk, is what they're eating, and how much they're eating, and the quality of it. You can't even feed them, you know, just plain fescue like a beef cow and get by. You've got to make sure they have high quality feed. And so all the stress that I had on that, God watered the crop. And, said, and what God showed me in that is you can put all your effort in. And there's nothing wrong with putting effort in for a crop. Right. I hope you're getting this. But all my trust and efforts should have been in God. Right. And you do the best that you can serving God and then say, God, it's up to you. I'm not going to lose sleep on it. What I want to lose sleep on is how am I going to get the gospel to a lost and dying world? Amen. And I hope you get a hold of that. That's right. Verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven... Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? 
That's me. I'm of little faith. And that's why God put this in His words. It was for us to get a hold of this truth. And God knows He's going to burn up the world. That's what He says here. He said tomorrow's going to be cast in the oven. He knows He's burning this earth up. But yet He takes care of the grass. He takes care of the lilies. He takes care of the, the fowls of the air. And he knows that they're gonna, he's going to burn it all up, but he still takes care of it. How much more is he going to take care of his children? Amen. Ye of little faith. That's me. What to God we had more faith in God taking care of us. Verse 31, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. God says, I know you need to eat. It's not like God doesn't know that you need to provide for a family. God didn't overlook that. God didn't see overlook seeing your children and your family needs to eat and that you need to eat. God didn't overlook to see that you need clothes. God didn't overlook all of that. He says, I know about that. I'm going to take care of you. Trust me. Don't be of little faith. Get your mind focused on serving God, the Master. Get your mind focused on being a pilgrim. Get your mind focused on, on, on sojourning on this earth and not making it your home. And trust God. And you work. You, when, when God tells you to work, to earn some money, you work. Amen. You work hard and you earn money so you can serve God. Not so you can build an earthly kingdom. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We need Christians to get a hold of this. We need Christians to grab onto this. Because what, what we see in our culture and in uh, and, and true Bible-believing circles, what we see is you're, they're consumed by the world and serving the master of this world, their flesh Amen. and the devil. And they, they put all their time, effort, and energy into serving mammon and they throw a little bit over to serving God enough to ease their conscience a little bit. Right. And it, sh- it should be the other way around. There's nothing wrong with working. There's nothing wrong with uh, getting some food for your family and, and earning a living. There's nothing wrong with, right. with, with farming. Right. There's nothing wrong with doing electrical work or, right. or, or working on RVs. There's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with, with going to work. The question is, what God's getting after is, are you putting all your stock in yourself to do it, to, to establish your empire here, to say, this is what I need to do, this is what I'm about, this is what my life is, or is, or, or is that a means to serve God? Amen. Turn with me real quick to Romans 13. You know... Everything that you own, I don't care how... It seems like the more, the more newer stuff you buy, the faster it tears apart anyways. Yeah. They don't make pickups like they used to. Yeah. A lot of people with new pickups, it, I look at their flimsy metal and, 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 and they get dinged up if they even use them. Right. You know? And, and the, this bill of goods that you're sold isn't what you thought it was anyways. Right. 
Which praise the Lord for that. Because <laughs> then you don't put as much value into it. Yeah. Romans 13, 11, it says, And knowing, and that knowing the time, that now is the high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation near than when we believed. Amen. We're running out of time. We're running out of time to preach the gospel. We're running out of time to go door to door. We're running out of time to, to study this Bible and to get it into our hearts. You're running out of time. You have less time today than you did tomorrow to serve God. You have less time today to, to, to preach the gospel than you did tomorrow. And if you can get a hold of that, that's what he's saying. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. When you got saved, you have less time to serve God than you do now. I say that the other way around. The other way around. around. You had more time when you got saved. Yeah. And you have less time now. There we go. You're running out of time. And what God says, you tells us, He's telling the the church here in Rome. He's saying, "Awake, wake up. That's right. You're falling asleep at the wheel." Yeah. Every time you spend, put your efforts into this world, this, this life, you're, it's like going to sleep. You fell asleep on the job. Yeah. And that's where Christianity is today. They're all asleep. That's right. You know, I, I keep going back to this because it, it impacted me to see how quickly Black Lives Matter turned this nation on its head with just a few people. Yeah. They had a couple hundred people, maybe. Yeah. It wasn't very many people. And they got on buses and went from town to town to town to town to put their agenda out there because they believed it and they they pushed it with all of their might. If we had some Christians, if there were a hundred Christians that sold out to God and said, you know what, I'm going to go get the gospel out with everything I have, it would change this country. Amen. That's what we need. But you won't get there with holding on to mammon in one hand and holding on to Christ with the other hand and trying to hold on to both of them. It'll tear you apart and you'll be sleeping at the wheel as you're serving mammon. And you'll look back on your life and go, why? Right. Why? Why did I think that was so important? It wasn't important. Hey. I hope you get that today. We'll make a couple more stops here. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. There's something I left out of that story the other night about running that that race. It was uh, in October. And uh, they had all types of uh, Halloween candy. And I don't like Halloween, but they had, I like the candy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, real, I'm real bad about it. And it was just sitting there, and nobody came to the station. And so I stuffed candy. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, there was a bowl of it. And, and I'd just eat another bite, and I'd just eat another bite. And, and next thing I knew, the bowl was empty. <laughs> oh, <my>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you try running a race oh, on a belly full of candy. <laughs> That was a big part of my problem that I left out of that story the other night. That's my downfall. It was sweets and sugar. That's right. But what an application that makes for running a race. You fill up on all types of junk food, and then you go try to run a race 
And guess what? Your belly's going, oh! (laughs) And your nutrition, you blow through that sugar like that and you're left with nothing to keep running on. What I needed was some protein bars. And what you need if you're going to run this race for God is the Word of God in your heart and soul and mind. Yeah. Not a bunch of junk food. Yeah. You spend your time listening to worldly music. You spend your time looking at, at YouTube. You spend your time on Facebook. And then you're going to find yourself starving on the race. Right. God just gave, put that on my heart there to share with you. 1 Corinthians uh, 7, we're going to be at 28. Oh. But if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. That ain't where I wanted to go. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. That's a good verse. That's a good verse, but uh, that's not where we were going. Hebrews 12. Bear with me here. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And that's a contradiction. The joy of enduring the cross, despising the shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And, and if you think I'm off by calling that a contradiction, look at verse 3. For consider him that endured such, a con- such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Yeah. We've got a race to run. Hey. And there's a starting line and there's a finishing line. Yeah. And you're going to hit the finishing line. Yeah. And you're going to look back on the race that you've run and you can either say, I've run well. I ran with everything I had. Or you're going to look back on your life and say, why did I spend so much time asleep? What are you putting in your belly to run the race? What are you putting in your mind to run the race? Where's your perspective? Turn with me to 1 Peter real quick. We'll finish up. We'll finish up here in a little bit. I gotta be careful. I used to say one more verse and, and then I'd be a liar right in front of everybody because we'd have another five, six verses. <laughs> you start getting all these crossway looks, so I stop saying that. Or I try not to. Alright, we'll start with verse one. Uh, I'm in second Peter. I wanted first Peter. First Peter chapter two. And I know you guys know this too. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The other lie that the devil tells you as you're running the race is that it's no fun. That it's a drag. And it's not. It's the biggest lie out there. Spending time serving God 
it's tiring. I'm not saying it's not tiring. It wears me slap out. I'll be done at the end of the day. Just it's 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 more than just putting in a full day's work on the job. Right. There's a whole spiritual drain to it, and and God knows it. God knows it's work. He, that's why he called it labor. Amen. But it's a good labor. Amen. You you can rest your head on your pillow at night and go praise the Lord. Amen. You can rest in your pillow at night saying there's joy. Amen. When Jesus Christ endured the cross, he did it with joy. And why did he do it with joy? Because he knew that lost the, the world that he loved would be saved through that. He knew the remedy of sin is what had to be done. And so he had joy in doing that. And that, that blows my mind. But when you when you shed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and go out into a lost and dying world, there's a joy. This world's looking for truth and they don't have truth. This world's looking for answers. It's like that young lady we talked to the other day. She was, oh, I'm trying better. I'm trying better. I'm going to try to do, do good in my life. And what she'll find is failure. Right. She'll be like, oh, I failed again. Right. And I need to try better. And I failed again. It's like that lady that, that our, our sisters talked to here that's cutting herself. You know that's all over this country. Yes. That's all over Springfield. I see people, at least every shift I work, typically you'll see somebody that's cutting themselves. And the reason they're doing it is because they're miserable, they're without truth, truth, they're without hope in a lost and dying world. And you've got the hope to give them. That's right. And when you give them hope, there's a joy that God gives you and a blessing that God gives you here on this earth to your spirit. He gives you a joy unspeakable. Yeah. <laughs> Because you're serving the, the Master. Amen. And you won't get that joy no matter how much money you get. You won't get that joy no matter how well the business is going. Sure, you'll have money. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you'll have less. I don't know. <laughs> but even if you get the money and you get everything that you thought you wanted, you won't find the joy of seeing one lost sinner come to Christ. Yeah. You won't see the joy of, of God feeding you out of His Word and teaching you and bringing you along that will last you your lifetime because of the truth of His Word gets in your heart and soul that you will by watching one football game or one brand new truck or one brand new house. It won't be there. It's a lie. Yeah. It's a temporal lie. You know, there's one guy I talked to. He just bought a house at work. And everybody's telling him congratulations. And, and he was all excited. And then the next day, he was like, oh, I'm not excited about these payments. <laughs> yeah. And how true is that? Yeah. The devil tells you, you want a new house. You want something bigger. You want something nicer. And now he's locked and tied down. Yeah. And within one day, he's, he's regretting what he thought he wanted. Right. And what I'm telling you is the devil will say, this is what you want. Your flesh will say, this is what I want. Right. And when they get it, you'll be like, oh, I didn't want that. Right. I watch my children. They play with, I'll get them a toy. And I don't get fancy toys, but I get them some toys every now and then. We just got them some Legos, some magnet Legos. And it was really cool for, what, five, ten minutes? And then it gets boring. Sometimes they like the cardboard box more than they like the toy itself. Yeah. And we're the same way. 
You think, oh, I want this brand new truck, and then you get it, and you're like, well, I can't go do this with it, I can't go do that with it. You get this house, and you start seeing those payments like that one fella said, and you're like, oh, I didn't want that. Yeah. The devil lies to you, your flesh lies to you. The only place you're going to find truth and something that you can actually rest your soul on and go, that was worth it, and that was everything and more that I thought it was going to be is serving God. Amen. It's going to be more than what you thought it was. Yeah. Turn with me real quick to Philippians. Philippians. There's a reason that this is all through the Bible. Because it was a struggle for them back then. That's another lie that my flesh and the devil tells me. Is that it was different for them back then. And uh, in a way, it was different for them back then. Because it was harder. <laughs> because they didn't live in, a, in the United States where you could freely go to door to door. They lived in a place where they said, you get out of here or we're going to stone you. Yeah. So it was different in that sense. But if you don't think they had to eat back then, you're wrong. Right. And if you don't think they thought of their families, you're wrong. Right. And the Bible doesn't go into a lot of detail about their families. But I know, what was it, Peter's mother-in-law was sick? And you think he took off with his wife taking care of the mother-in-law? Yeah. That, that's a hard pill to swallow. And there's real struggles that they had. Those struggles don't end. That's why it's all through the Bible. God knew that you were going to have a struggle with your focus being on mammon and wanting to serve that master. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Look at this. Turn your ears up. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. It's in your mind. If, if, and if anything be, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. And that should, be our, that should be our prayer, is that God will reveal our mind to us. And if your mind is stayed on all those, uh, and, and here's the other part about it, if you've spent time wasted on following mammon, I, I'm not telling you this to throw your hands up in the air and say, I'm done. Forget it. Right. That's what the Bible says. Forget it. That's, that's time wasted. You ain't going to do nothing about it. And the other trick the devil will get you on, or your flesh will get you on, is saying, oh, I've already wasted so much of my life, I might as well keep wasting more. To try to remedy this thing I had going on over here. And God says, forget it. Press forward to the mark. Press forward to the prize. There's a prize at the end of your life. There's a prize. You're going to stand before God Almighty. And he's going to look down at you. And he's going to, you're going to look at your whole life. There's, and we're not going to get into this. But there is a, a judgment seat of Christ. Where your life, everything that you did for mammon, everything you did for your flesh is going to burn. Amen. It's going to burn up. Amen. And everything you did for Christ, you're going to see. Amen. And it's all that's going to be left. That's right. And you're going to go, oh, man, I wish I spent more time yeah. for Christ. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to prepare you for that judgment. 
That's biblical. It's all through. It, it's in the. This is biblical. What? What? A, it's just Bible. Is what it is to get our minds in this perspective. So you press forward toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to get this too. It's not a press toward in your flesh. Right. You're not going to will yourself to, oh, I'm going to do this, bless God. I'm going to go knock a door. I'm going to read my Bible. It, it's, it's not a pressing yourself in your flesh. It's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's the calling of God on your life. It's the calling of God to go knock a door. It's the calling of God to preach. It's not something that you do out of your flesh because I'm bound and determined. You'll fail just as miserably as the man that's... It, it, essentially, you can serve mammon preaching. You can serve mammon knocking doors if you're not doing it from the calling of God on your life. So you have to get this in balance and you have to get this in perspective. And I'm not preaching today to go out in your flesh and serve God. Because it won't work. And it'll be just as fleshly as you going to work to earn money. Right. You get on your knees. You spend time with God. And then God puts a calling on your life and says, Son, go do this. Amen. And then you go do it. And God gives the grace to press, forward, press toward the mark. And you, you get your mind right. If you go out in a worldly mind that I'm going to do this because of my flesh and I want to do this in my flesh, it's the wrong mind. Yeah. And we're not going to get into the, the mind real deep, but I want you to get a hold of that, that it's not a fleshly thing that you're going to press forward and do. Hey. This world is not designed to be our home. Now, God... God made beautiful mountains, and I love looking at mountains, and I love the Ozarks, and I love swimming in the springs. Yeah. And God made all of that for our enjoyment. And I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying that you can't enjoy the creation that God made. You understand? God made it for enjoyment. God made God's not, and the, the, the devil and you will say, okay, all God wants you to do is miserable, miserable, miserable. Oh, he doesn't want you having no good time. And that ain't true. Hey, hey I'm looking forward to going to church Sunday. Yeah. To fellowship. And guess what? There's going to be ice cream, and I like ice cream. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about seeing my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm excited about that little old truck that, that pastor bought. You can have fun on this life serving God. Yeah. We ought to have fun. Like Brother Gabe was saying, the children running around and having a good time, praise the Lord for that. Amen. I like, I like, we can have fun giving out the gospel yeah. and praying and preaching and reading the Word of God is joy unspeakable yeah. and full of glory. It's, it's the greatest way to spend your life serving God in joy. Where you really lose all the joy, all the fun, all, all, all of that is when you try to proceed in your flesh with the wrong mind. Then it, it'll be miserable. Yeah. And praise the Lord that it is miserable because maybe you'll hit your knees and get with God and He'll put the Holy Spirit on you to, and, and anoint you with, with what you ought to be doing and give you the power of the Holy Spirit to serve Him because that's what we need. Amen. We're going to end on this. Go to Jude. End in Jude. What? No, there's good stuff in Jude. Amen.
There's oh, this Bible's all got all types of good stuff in it. And this is what he tells tells them right here. Jude, we'll start verse one. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. He called you to do something. He preserved you. Praise the Lord for that. Beloved, verse 3, When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Are you earnestly contending for the faith? Earnestly contending earnestly, with earnest, saying, I'm going to contend for the faith. Mercy, peace, love, multiplied onto you. Following Jesus Christ after the calling He put on your life and earnestly contending for the faith. Earnestly. We need to make sure we are earnestly contending for the faith. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Make sure you're of the right mind that you're not... uh, This isn't a message to say do this in your flesh. This is spend time with God. Get full of the Holy Spirit and serve God. And don't, don't realize, confess to yourself again. Confess to God Almighty that you're a pilgrim. Yeah. That you're a sojourner, that you're a stranger to this world, and, and grab a hold of that perspective and remind, let the scripture renew your mind with this throughout the day, tomorrow, and a week from now, when you're sitting there and you're going, man, and the devil will tell you this, man, we wasted so much time up over there, and now I've got this wrong and this wrong, and why did I do all that? Get your Bible out, get into the Word of God, and get your perspective right with God. And say, I'm a sojourner, I'm a pilgrim, and there's nothing in vain serving God. In fact, the only thing in vain is what I do serving mammon. And get the balance that you're not to be lazy, you're not to sit around and hope that you find a money tree, because you won't. Work hard, earn money, and Give it to God. Serve God with it. Serve God with your life. You won't regret it. Don't look back on your life and say, few and evil are the days. Because if you follow your flesh, serving mammon, you will look back and say, few and evil are the days. And you'll regret it. But you won't regret serving God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your words. We thank you that you renew our minds, Lord God. Lord, I need your words. I need your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to straighten me out. I need you, Lord, to to get the right perspective and the right mind, Lord God. I'm so weak. I'm so fable. I'm just base, Lord God. Lord, you know I struggle, Lord God, with thinking of tomorrow, Lord, and what I'm going to do and what I need to do. And and Lord God, I don't want to serve mammon with my life, Lord. Lord, I want to serve you, Lord. I can't serve both. None of us can, Lord. That's what you told us, Lord. Help us to trust you more. Lord, you said you take care of the lilies. You take care of the fowl of the air, Lord God. And, and Lord, I know you'll take care of us. And Lord, we're asking you, Lord, for provision. 
We're asking you, Lord, to take care of us, Lord God. We're asking you, Lord, to provide for us, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, to build our faith, Lord God, that we could trust you more with our lives, Lord. Lord, help us to be a living sacrifice unto you, Lord God. Help us to run this race, Lord. Help us to run with everything that we have, Lord, as one that's pressing forward the prize, Lord God. Help us not to get caught on this temporal earth, Lord God. Help us, Lord. Lord, I confess to you, Lord, I'm just a pilgrim. I want to be a stranger to this world, Lord God. I'm just a sojourner passing through, Lord God. Help me, Lord, with my own mind and my own heart, Lord, to gain that perspective, Lord. Not just this hour, not just while I'm under this tent, Lord God, but throughout the day, Lord, throughout the weeks, throughout the month, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you bind Satan and rebuke him in Jesus' name when he comes to me and tells me I'm doing this in vain, Lord. Rebuke him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you'd get my flesh under subjection, Lord God, to you, Lord, that it wouldn't be a stumbling block with my walk with you, Lord God. We need you, Lord. We need your help, Lord God. Have mercy on this, this, this poor vessel, Lord God. This I'm just a little child, Lord God, and I need your help, Lord. I need to grab a hold of your hand, Lord God, like Peter did when you reached down, Lord God. Lord, reach down and help me, Lord, to stand. Help me, Lord, to follow you. Help me, Lord, to just walk the pilgrim way, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.